Hello, film friends, friends of film, and everyone in between. Welcome to the Film Folklore Podcast. I am Jed Props, and I'm joined today by Justin Sound. Hello. And uh, pinch hitting with us is Heather Ray Costumes. Hey there. So yet again, Chris, Zoe, and Joe could not be with us today. Joe, I understand, went to Universal Studios, and he's drinking at the most Tavern there with his buddy, Hugh Jass. Now, I was able to talk to Chris and uh, Zoe, and Zoe uh, was able to relay that Chris's dad apparently is a scientist, and um, he kind of fucked with uh, his dad's new invention, and he got reduced in size, and he's trying to figure out how to get big again. And that makes sense because a very tiny Chris uh, with a squeaky voice was able to tell me also that Zoe has transcended this earthly plane and reached Nirvana. Sadly, this means that she has become a live, laugh, love sign at Walmart. So anyway, getting us into the episode today. Uh, That's a shame. <laughs> Hi, everybody. How are y'all doing today? So uh, by the time this airs, the carnival season will be over. Uh, sad. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's have a quick little gras talk uh, is what I'm going to call it. And uh, for those not familiar, uh, Mardi Gras, gras is fat, fat Tuesday. And there you go. So day before Ash Wednesday for anybody who is uh, Catholic and or not in the know what of a- when Fat Tuesday actually happens. Girl, you read my mind because I was about to say. So we have like a month and a half of festivities wedged between uh, the country's annual January 6th uh, DC Hullabaloos and it all ends on Ash Wednesday as Heather Ray just said. Then uh, here in New Orleans we get a brief rest period before we get into St. Patty's and then we all party like the Irish don't actually do. But getting us a little more film related Justin, getting your opinion, and and Heather Ray, please chime in. Is it safe to say that it would be foolish to try and film here on, say, Lundi Gras or in Mardi Gras Day? I would say that's a that's a that's a very foolish thing. Yes. Would you say that's an understatement? Very much so, an understatement. So nowadays we take those days off with good reason, but in the earlier days of uh, Louisiana filmmaking, they did attempt some of those earlier projects. And oh, they still do. They still do. They still time try. Time. It oh, still yeah, happens. It happens. I, I guess I, I worked on a Mardi Gras day two years ago. What? I guess oh I've yeah, been lucky. I was the only production that was working. That sounds. And I was right. a miserable, miserable bitch the entire day. Well, not only is it, um, I, I was uh, because Zoe's not here. I. Unfortunately, I can't share my uh, Simpsons moment on this, but I was comparing it to when Bart breaks his leg and uh, it becomes a rear window scenario and he's having to watch all the kids play in the pool and have fun while he kind of loses his mind. That's what it's like to work on Mardi Gras. Oh yeah, it's terrible. On top of the logistic nightmare, (laughs) on top of the fact that most businesses are closed, so you can't really do any business anywhere. It's a pretty useless day to attempt to do a fulfilling film job. So, um, do anything. I remember <laughs> the first job yeah. I ever had interviewed for as a PA. They said, okay, well, we're going to start working Monday. And I was like, mm, Lindy Gras? No, no, you're not. <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean? I was like, what do you plan on doing? 
And they were in the Britannia box. Now, the Britannia box means that once you get into, like, past St. Charles Avenue where all the parades are, you're not getting out until the next day, essentially. So um, they were working in the buildings right there. And I said, you're not going to do this. Oh, well, we're going to shop. We're going to shop in Metairie. Mm, No, you're not. That's closed down, too. People that live in the zone of death actively park their cars outside of the zone in case they need to actually get out and right, go somewhere. Right, right. Because if your car is inside of that box, you're not going anywhere. And sometimes you can't even walk across because right. the parade route will not allow you to, there are barricades and you can't even walk across the street to get to your car. So, if you, you know, I, I finally said, um, well, I will be here bright and early on Wednesday morning if you, you know, if you would like to hire me, but good luck. Cause I say, get here at six o'clock in the morning, if not before, and don't plan on leaving until after midnight on Lindy Gras or Mardi Gras. Really? Let's rewind. You said bright and early on Wednesday morning? <laughs> well, I was exaggerating. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I bring up all the Mardi Gras talk and the festivities because just like actors, everyone getting festive puts on their costumes they get their prop accessories. Maybe they do some hair treatments. Maybe they put on some wigs. Uh, uh, Heather Ray actually, uh, for decadence, had all of this. And uh, there's one other thing that they do. Uh, can anyone name that fourth thing that uh, maybe people are doing as far as application? Uh, facial hair? Well, that's because I'm stroking my beard. <laughs> Why are you stri- I'm like trying to do social cues here. Like, um, what is happening? What you can't see is that I was trying to point out a face for makeup because makeup, that's right, Justin. Uh, And that is our guest today. (laughs) Ah, segue. I should have put that together. We have our first makeup rep and uh, we're very excited to have her. We do actually deal with facial hair, by the way. Which, by the way, is, (laughs) and we will talk about it. Um, uh, Amy Makeup is here with us today. So let's get into it. Let's welcome Amy Makeup. Amy, welcome. Hi, Amy. Thank you for stopping by today. Oh, hey, guys. Just to get us going, uh, what would you say is your typical position these days? Uh, upon having work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Solid. <laughs> um, More specific. <laughs> I'm a makeup artist. I, If you ask what I like, I prefer a third position. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I don't necessarily want to be the boss. I don't necessarily want a key because it's way more responsibility and way more work without more pay. Yeah. That's um, a thing in our world where a lot of times the responsibility increase is not equal to the pay increase. Yeah. That's like a, it might yeah, only be t- like a $2 rate difference to have a way more responsibility in some positions. Well, that's the thing with makeup. Um, a keys rate and a third and beyond rate is all the same thing. What? Is all the same thing. Um, no incentive to unless, do that job. <laughs> and no, unless your department head negotiates for you. And it's usually their job to do that for their keys rate. But no. I mean, I have a kid, so I can't bring work home with me. Like when I leave, I have to leave. It's getting better now that she's older, but yeah, third and beyond is my favorite place to be. This and and that's something we haven't talked too much about. But trying to have a family and work in this industry is uh, a tricky thing to say the least. But I think 
and nothing against anyone's spouses because everyone has wonderful spouses. But I, I, maybe I'm only speaking for myself. If I could somehow go back in time, I need a non-industry person with a very stable job, uh, <laughs> like a doctor. Yeah, a lawyer, I think that's necessary. You know, I am uh, married to a grip, sir. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. yeah. I, like when 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 you and your partner are both in the industry, and let's say volatility strikes up, and I don't know, there's a couple of guild striking. Um, it can <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. That'll never happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What are the odds? But uh, yeah, it, it can it can be a very stressful and hectic world. Uh, um, you you need more family support, I think, than the average family does. Like whether it's you know in laws, nannies, whatever. But it's it's definitely a difficult uh, path. So uh, absolutely, especially I, when I you feel don't you. have family. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Essentially, paying to have someone. I mean, you are literally working to pay someone else. That's it. Right. Yeah, I don't know how y'all do it with families. No idea. Well, my children are free range. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, there's a food trough. And in the organic. Back. Yeah. yeah. It, it, the food is organic. <laughs> it's grass fed. But uh, so we had Natalie Hare on with us previously. And uh, I want to kind of start with a little bit of a crossover question that uh, we didn't get to ask her. Uh, we, we ran out of time. But y'all have the fortune of not being on radio. We did talk about that. Um, I know, and I love that about my job. <laughs> yes, but we on radio hear a lot of nicknames for you guys, mm -hmm. and a lot of them seem kind of <clears throat> condescending. A they are. Beyond, because uh, Natalie uh, off, cam uh, off camera, uh, off mic said, for her, just literally saying hair and makeup is fine with her. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you would add to that or... Do you have like more acceptable nicknames as opposed to if y'all can help me with some examples? The vanities. The vanities. The pretty uh, committee. The pretty committee. That's a typical Which one. is highly offensive. It yeah. is. That's usually an AD that uh, really likes to hear his own voice. I've yeah. never heard these because I'm <laughs> really? not Milwaukee either. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, good for us. High five. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, they got a whole other channel of gossip. Mm -hmm. um, Truth. But, um, but and, don't condone it. I, yeah. <laughs> and we will we will keep the gossip light because we did talk about the uh, sanctity of the trailer um, mm. and uh, what stays in the trailer, you know, or what is said in the trailer stays in the trailer kind of uh, thing. Absolutely. So, uh, again, I uh, want to uh, let the listener know that, uh, spoiler, we're not going to be spilling a lot of tea here. Can't. Um, because uh, people like Amy and uh, Natalie need to keep working. <laughs> um, and uh, But... Going back in time a little bit, so when you were growing up, did you have any early interest that was maybe film TV specific, or maybe it was something in the makeup, fashion, beautician? Uh, like, what what got your your interest kind of pointed in this general direction? Ooh, fun story. Um, well, I've been an artist and a maker always. Kind of came out of the womb that way with like glue gun burns on my hands. Um, and it, you had props in the womb? Kind of. I would actually be really good at it. I could, ma I could make you almost anything. That is rad. But Very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry for your my mom's, mom's, <laughs> my mom's uterus. Is, yeah. She's like, your fingers. <laughs> um, How did you get the crayons in there? Uh, but these drawings are fantastic. <laughs> uh, and I've always been an avid movie watcher, but I actually went to college for something completely different. I... I tell people I wanted to be Indiana Jones. 
I was an anthropology major with a double minor in history and religious wow. studies. Um, but until I realized that the only thing you could do with that these days was really just teach. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to school for longer to continue to be there. And that sounded awful to me. Um, so I left and went to beauty school because I've always enjoyed it and it's fun and I love making people stay. And I had to take a step back away from beauty school because I was having terrible migraines. And in my six month interim, I found makeup. Like I was always like the person that my friends came to, you know what I mean? But I actually got a job doing it. And that just opened up a whole new avenue for me. I was like, holy shit, people pay me to do this? This is so much (laughs) fucking fun. And you get to make people's day and you get to make them feel better about themselves because that's the way I've always looked at it. Just trying to, whatever you want to portray to the world and, you know, I'm here for that. Whatever you want to look like. I don't want you to look like me. I want you to look like you. And somewhere along those lines, I dated a guy who was PAing in film. And he introduced me to some people and I just fell head over heels. It took everything that I've always loved. Oh no, that was just to be clear. That was a long time ago. Um, uh, Yeah, no, I just, but your husband wasn't a PA. No, he was not. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was a whole nother lifetime ago, but I just fell into all of it to the special effects side of it, which was new for me. And I didn't go to school for this stuff. I learned over the years and next to some of the industry's best. And it's been an incredible journey. 15 years of making art and learning from different people and just being a freaking sponge, man. Which uh, uh, that's that world is such a fun world. It's also, I think, kind of like when we were talking to Donovan about like, in that case, we were just talking about how a boom operator is like an iconic uh, position, you know, when you think about like the stereotypes <laughs> of what a, a layman would know about the film industry. Sure. But I feel like uh, makeup is another one of those, you know, the hair and makeup departments. And maybe it's just because of the relationship with the actors. I don't know. But that's another position that's one of those first ones that that I think of. And and when you think over the years, when it comes to makeup, makeup effects, and how it's evolved, the reason I'm bringing all this up is I wanted uh, you to speak a little bit to when you're learning about uh, a, a sensitivity or something mm-hmm. like that, like how are you receiving that information and how are you delegating that uh, information to, to, you know, execute it properly with the actor? Uh, if you can speak a little bit to that. Sure. Well, it's a department head's job to, when you first reach out to your cast, that's one of the first things we ask. What are you allergic to? Yep. Because that is a major deal for us. Yep. Food for us. That's yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Food. Laundry um, detergents for us. Yep. Laundry yep. detergents. We, we all have to deal with it for, yep, exactly. for, for the most part. Um, and it's huge for somebody's face or their eyes or their skin. And I mean, let's be real. We're one of the only, one of the very few industries that like, I'm allowed to stick my hands all over, all over your face <laughs> and not be a doctor. Right. And even doctors wear gloves. Right. <laughs> So sanitary and making sure that people are comfortable. You've talked a little bit about the department head and how you prefer to be the third and key in the middle, right? And then is, am I missing anybody? In, not, not including makeup effects, just talking about uh, makeup. Um, you usually have your department head, your key, uh, your third, and then it goes on from there. 
and then and we did talk when we were talking with Natalie, we talked about the importance of day playing and and oh, getting that experience in and but and this is not in any way meant to knock uh, the hair world because it is uh, obviously very valuable, but just for me as an outsider looking, makeup seems so much more complex uh, to me just because of skin types, uh, application, skin sensitivities, lighting on, say, certain skin types and and things. It just seems like it's the wealth of knowledge that you need to be quick with. Sure. It, it, absolutely, like um, it absolutely can, especially because I think a lot of people just assume we put makeup on and go sit on set and um, don't do a hell of a whole lot unless we're actually moving a lot of what we do happens before we get on set. So I'm not just dealing with what a script says. Um, I'm reading that script. I'm breaking down characters, just like we all do. But also it's what the director sees this character as, what they see the actor as, and what the actors see themselves comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And also what they see the character as. And that is a lot of different layers. Yeah. And a lot of different answers a lot and of the time that you have to like please every one of those. Oh, absolutely. People. It's got to go through so many filters before. And then there's the studio execs I, and the I, director. I, I, like, I mean, it, it just keeps oh, going. More times than not, conflicting answers. Correct. To make it I mean, more almost solely. More yes. challenging. Absolutely. I have had actors realize literally in my chair that they are no longer in charge of how what they look like. Which is interesting because, like, as a human being, that is literally one of the only things you can control. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> especially if you're on camera for all of posterity. Absolutely, yeah. it's a very vulnerable place to be, mm-hmm. and it is our job to take all of these storylines and filter them through to one look and what some very usually vulnerable person is is okay with mm-hmm. and. Sometimes that's super easy. Sometimes it's all one story and we're all on the same page, chapter, sentence. And sometimes they are literally a novel away. And that can be very difficult. Fun aside, I was working on a film and the prop master was uh, uh, very novice. Uh, they had talked themselves into the job and they were not qualified. Ooh, you can always find the people that didn't that uh, I, didn't walk in on the first floor, if you know what I mean. Yes, and I didn't know that until I was on the show and we were actively working and I was the assistant prop master and I'm running set and this prop master, we had a, a an actress that was supposed to be putting on makeup in the scene and he comes and hands off like just Walmart grade bag of makeup and he's like, and I was like, what is this? And he goes, it's for the scene later today. And I was like, I'm going to go talk to makeup. And he goes, why you got this here? And I'm like, are you nuts? I was like, first of all, I don't want to get murdered. Um, second of all, the justifiable murder, <laughs> justifiable murder if I did it. Um, but uh, beyond that, because of all of those sensitivities, matching of existing makeups and things like that, like what? There's a storyline with the makeup. Oh my god! Um, but it's like if I ever do something like that, anything even remotely close to those lines, it's still no matter what. You go to makeup and you say, for example, this brush has nothing on it. 
here's the brush for you to look at. Here's the brush for you still to approve because I don't want to mess with anything else that's happening. But we can pretend the application if we want to do it that way. Or if we actually need to see an application happening, then makeup is going to say, well, we're going to use our stuff and I'm going to go, yes, of course, whatever you want. Um, Please don't hurt me. Um, uh, so it's so scary. <laughs> I know. Well, I, it's the, I, sh- it's the set chairs, right? It's, it's, yep, it's, yep, yep. it's the uh, PTSD I referenced from when I was a PA and the first time I had to go to the hair makeup trailer. <laughs> um, that was a story in the other uh, interview, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I, that prop master, that was one of those examples of like, you don't know what you're doing and this is scary. You know, like you should know, you should know something as basic as that, that that's not our department and to go and just do it is literally stepping on toes and it's insulting. It is because people tend to glaze over our department. Yeah. And, and, and mistakes uh, can come as a result of it. You know, mm-hmm. like that, you could ultimately mess up a shot. You could mess up a continuity. You know, there's like all kinds of stuff that can go. <laughs> or wrong. you can give somebody a crazy allergic reaction. We have to shut down filming for the day. Oh, I, I'm glad <laughs> you said that because that is uh, something I wanted to get your opinion on. We actually talked about this the last time we saw each other, but we were at a wedding reception, so it's okay if you don't remember. I'll say that part. Also, congratulations, Ricky and Ashley. Dude, that was fun. Yeah, and and lovely uh, 1920s attire that you were in. Oh, thanks, man. I uh, do love a theme. Yes. So I was on a show where we had ended the scene, moving on. Uh, The main actress is walking off set, and she's coming by my cart where she sees that I am holding wet wipes as in the brand, Wet Wipes. And she says, oh, do you mind if I get one of those? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Because I don't know what she's, I mean, we're not in a scene, so I didn't know what she's going to do with it. But a makeup artist saw this happening and rushed over and like, I mean, almost as if I was giving a poison to her. <laughs> like got it out of her hand, gets her own wipe from her bag, hands it to her. The actress didn't seem to have any kind of reaction to any of this. It was just kind of like, oh, okay. And then she takes it and goes off. And the makeup artist turns and goes like, she has to have a very specific thing. And she's going into a skin allergy conversation. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And she shouldn't be asking me for wipes. First of all, I didn't know what she's going to do with the wipe, to be clear. And and second of all, I, I, what am I supposed to do? Like the actress just said, can I get a wipe? And I'm like, yeah, okay. Like she could have gone to clean a, a, a book cover for all I know. <laughs> so, but it was that thing of like, I understand where the makeup artist was coming from. But it was a scary, again, maybe it's the PTSD, but it was a scary <laughs> moment for me because I'm like on the, the ropes defending myself when I was like, this is a very innocent thing. Like it wasn't anything you think. Well, but, we're trained to be helpful. Right. Well, and, and again, actors and their sensitivities. I, I mean, I... Listen, I've had actors who have taken wet ones from people and wiped their makeup off. Is it a good idea? No. No got alcohol in it and all kinds of other things you don't want on your face um everybody knows it's petroleum jelly so yeah we do kind of have to babysit a little bit yeah, yeah and i'm not naming any names but like run after people yeah because i mean you can't see my hands but like their face is like Jed and i can both uh, amy's voguing agree. right now for anyone that needs to their, their face is literally my responsibility for like the next month or whatever filming is right Sorry, what were you going to say? No, there's lots of babysitting ha- happening from many different angles. Yes. The uh, there, I can't blink on his name. Uh, 
Oh my gosh, big time actor. Uh, oh, that guy. He played the Hulk. Mark uh, <laughs> Ruffalo. Ruffalo. Ruffalo, thank you. On a show with Mark Ruffalo, I'm waiting to prop him. We've made this joke before that um, uh, hair, makeup, costumes, everyone's, you know, last looks fighting. And I'm just waiting to hand the prop off. So I'm patiently waiting for everyone else to get their stuff done because it's more pressing than me. But he's, he's like kind of holding his arms up and he has a T and I said, I can hold that for you. And he goes, oh man, you don't have to do that. And, and it's like, I, I don't know how to feel in this moment. Cause I know that you would have no problem giving that to the hair or makeup person, <laughs> but I'm the one with the most available hands right now. And I don't mind. That's why I'm offering. But they have problems giving it to me too. And like, as I'm watching some lady try to line her lips in a mirror because she's got to do it herself. And like some mirror that somebody's hold with a T in her hand, I was like, do you want me to hold that? Yeah. I mean, that's, it'll just make everything go faster. Yeah. And like, Oh no, I don't want you to just hand me the T man. Just trying to be helpful. And and he was very nice, I should be clear, but uh, he was like overly gracious about like, thank you, thank you so much. And like after, this, after the scene, I'm like handing the tea back to him because I just put it on my cart. And he was like, man, like as if I had like <laughs> done something insane, but I was like, this isn't a big deal. I was like, I'm, uh, thank you, I guess. Dang. You know, you, but I'll travel wherever you want me to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is it is nice when people are like that, though, not that they have to fall over themselves thanking you. But let's be honest, guys, behind the scenes, it, a lot of what we do is incredibly thank, thankless. Yes, yes. Uh, um, so when people are super gracious like that, it's, it's and the, really the nice. further down the totem pole, the even like the how, how, you could draw a graph uh, of like as you go further down the totem pole of positions, the the thanklessness increases. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, talking about PAs, we hear you. Our thoughts are with you. Yeah, our thoughts yeah. are with you. That's great. <laughs> thoughts and prayers. <laughs> <laughs> They're all terminal in the sense that nothing's ever going to be done about it, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, Got to come in on the ground floor somewhere. Guys. That's true. We've all yeah. been PAs at one point or another. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we're kind of dancing around, but let's get into some some real makeup talk. So for you and your experience, what is the longest and or most intensive makeup application you've ever had to do? Oh my God. These are the hard questions. Yeah, and, and, I'll, and while you're thinking, I'll tell you what gave me the idea for this question is I had read uh, when we did our Christmas episode, Jim Carrey apparently hired a retired CIA operative to help him with anti-torture techniques because on the Grinch, he was in the chair for so long oh, that I can he apparently that. felt it was similar to torture. So he went and got a CIA operative to help him. I get it. I think the longest ones that I've really had to do, because there are some really long makeups there, but it's probably back on NCIS and some of the dead bodies we'd have to do. Oh yeah. yeah. Did that deal with like prosthetics and stuff? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So when someone, let's just say falls off a building and their heads cracked open and with NCIS is like, you know, you always see it happen in the beginning and then we have to see it on the, on the slab as you will. Um, And it's TV. So there's like limits to how far you can go mm. sure but we yeah. still did some gnarly stuff yeah. but to make somebody look like that it takes a long time it takes hours yeah even like the little stuff like giant y incision and all the things even if they died simply it's still a full body airbrush with veining and you know blood pooling and 
you know, all the things. Sorry, this gets really gross. Well, a, a fun visual to add to that, which is, I always thought it was a nice courtesy for the the actor. There was a heating blanket that was in one of the cabinets uh, on set that just kind of lived on set. And they would warm the slab yes. uh, before the actor got there to pretend to be dead. And <laughs> there's just something silly and goofy about that entire thing because you know then you're watching this dead looking person you know uh, articulate themselves onto a table and then you have an ad going is is it warm enough are you okay <laughs> and you're like what this is surreal well, i think what most people don't know either uh just that aren't in film whatnot is usually those people are in that makeup all day long so mm -hmm. we start really early in the morning and then we have to get in the morgue and take all kinds of pictures of it because it's got to go on screen mm -hmm. for other scenes. And then finally, somewhere in the afternoon or the end of the day, they're actually in the scene if we have one of those. And, you know, they're laying on the slab in the scene. So they've literally been quasi-dead all day. Also, it's a lot. I always feel bad because they tend to eat alone at lunch. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the phenomenon is to call that, but the dead person is often eating Nobody alone. wants to eat with the dead yeah, person. Yeah, there's just something. Sorry, it's nothing personal. It's I'm going to go over here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to look anybody in the yeah. eyes. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to eat pasta and I'm looking at your head wound and it's kind of <laughs> bothering me. Off yeah. yeah, it's off. Kind of looks like my pasta. <laughs> it's kind of looking like my pasta. Rick. <laughs> um so uh <laughs> yeah, so if you had to sort of ballpark uh how long it would take you to put that together, what would you say? Average dead person. Average? Um, average? Yeah. For your, for your, for your run-of-the-mill dead person. <laughs> An hour. Okay. I mean, that's not... It's I mean, natural causes. Yes. Yeah. Natural causes. Seriously, not natural explosion. causes. No, no, let's let's start in an hour. No tattoos to cover up and or put on. Just a human being that I have to airbrush fully because they are naked on the slab. Um, and then add veining too, and and you you know there's usually two of us doing this at the same time. So, mm -hmm. but you also have people that have to get up and use the bathroom or blah 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 or whatever. So <laughs> minimum an hour. Wow. And what's I guess a, a part B to that question is what would be the most colleagues you have collectively worked on one person in a trailer with, like three, four, something like that. Yes. Because that also is kind of fun to think about. Is that this person's trying to be still, and you got. <laughs> several people right. like you um, get the face i'm working over here on the tattoo on the arm you get the leg yes full body <laughs> like let's just call it like morgue work like that um i think the most we've had where you have at least have enough space to actively be doing something helpful is three um four gets in the way <laughs> yes because there's not there's not there's not enough limbs um fourth, fourth wheel not third wheel <laughs> um on a person while they're in like, let's say a beauty chair, you can really fit about three. So let's say one person doing the face, the other two dirtying hands or doing nails, adding tattoos, adding prosthetics, whatever. I think three is probably your best spot. Four okay. gets to be too much, regardless of. You if, know. You're, if you're working on an actor, say like this is an actor with speaking lines and stuff like that and and oftentimes actors are reading over lines in the trailer and stuff mm -hmm. of that nature. But when let's say you have to do some kind of application that requires them to say, close their eyes and be still sure. or something, are y'all putting on like some mood music or taking requests like uh, all of the above. All right. 
Um, um, we usually start out with a station because most people appreciate music in the morning. And as a project goes on, you kind of get to understand people's likes and dislikes. Mm-hmm. Some people will just ask you straight up, hey, can we put this on? Some actors come in with their own speaker, music already playing, and some people just prefer silence. Have you ever had someone request something that was disrupting your ability to work because it was such a bad taste in music? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I can put up with a lot. I think the only time it's disruptive is when you have a large cast of young people. Mm. And I've worked on a few of those over the years. A large cast of young people where you have them all in the trailer at the same time. So every not only are they eating breakfast, but they're talking to each other. Oh my god. In different chairs. Some people are up dancing, some people are walking in, going over there asking somebody else about X Y and Z. And so it becomes That's the like TV a, series for me. Like a classroom before the teacher walks in. Yeah. But you're still trying to do your job. <laughs> yeah. That uh, well, I guess there's been a few cuz a uh, tall girl uh Tall Girl 2, colon, junior year. Chris, uh, Chris's favorite show he ever worked on. Um, uh, but um, that was a very young cast as well. And uh, and also, like I mentioned, Scream TV series. But you're right. Those, uh, even for us, like the, the uh, they're often well-intended. Sure. They're just young. And well, so corralling them is difficult. You want to get along with everybody. Like, you know, it's great for cast morale. It's for everything. It makes the trailer atmosphere super fun. Mm -hmm. But when you have, let's say, a cast of eight beauty makeups and three makeup artists in the trailer plus three hair people, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. And we are under the watch in the morning. Like, we are down to the wire. Oh, yeah, Natalie was uh, because pressure. You know, we can wait for camera all day long, but God damn, if we have to wait for makeup and hair. Come on. Hey, I did it nice, you guys. (laughs) Annie, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, Are tattoos the most common thing you have to deal with? It's up there, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, we don't have to go deeply into it, but beyond the obvious of covering a tattoo because that maybe the actor is not supposed to have tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also some kind of legality to it as well, right? Like the design can be, um, yes. like it becomes a clearance question, which is kind of Yeah, it's weird, about the artist's right. artwork. And so somebody's artist. intellectual property. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure we all know this story, but The Hangover. Oh, actually, I don't. What is oh. that? Oh, okay. Ooh, hold on. Is it Mike, Mike Tyson's? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the, the replication of Mike Tyson's tattoo mm-hmm. on on somebody else's face. Mm. And that was that artist's intellectual property. And they did not get the sign off from him for that. So they got sued. Oh, Whoa. wow. And so after that happened, um, you know, legality became a big deal. Was that the beginning of it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't realize where it started. Okay. Um, that, well, it's so rare that uh, I, I know this just because of uh, the annoying background I have with dealing with clearances, but it's it, at least up until the hangover, I can't speak to the hangover, but up until very, very recently in film history, no one had successfully won a lawsuit against the industry for something that was a clearance related issue. But producers act like they're under constant threat and everything. So we are always in a heightened need of clearance protection, legality protection and all these things, which means more paperwork, more bureaucracy, but no, you can't have more help. 
Uh, <laughs> well, there's usually one person who just deals with clearances, oh, like was, for costumes as well. Thank you. I was about to say mm-hmm. two positions that used to be in-house, meaning that they were in the production office with us, was a clearance coordinator and a product placement coordinator. Product placement coordinator almost doesn't exist anymore, uh, yet they still want the departments that it's applicable to to still go find the product. So again, yeah. more work, but you can't have more people. And now if there's a clearance coordinator, they're somewhere out in the mm-hmm. ether. Uh, they might as well be AI because you never meet them. You never talk <laughs> working to from them. home. Yeah, exactly. They're working from home. Um, trying to, I got to stay pretty vague here. There's a, <laughs> there's a particular person who does clearances for a very large company. I don't know. Doing we'll, good so far. Go ahead. We'll say, we'll call them. Who's he? What's Misney. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and they have a streaming service called Misney Plus. Um, but anyway, there's someone that works inside of that gigantic company. That, Do we have clearance for this? Uh, clearance, clearance. It was it, the person was like a political hire, and it was very obvious because they would they they wanted the, the set decoration was losing their minds on the show. They wanted the patterns on the bed sheets to get cleared. They wanted to see everything. And anytime you asked a question, this person would go, that's a good question. I'll have to elevate that. And we're like, you had a what? What? Are you human? <laughs> like, what is your deal? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and it, what was weird is that he would glitch sometimes, you know, like <laughs> the frame was missing. No, I'm kidding. That didn't happen. But uh, he had to elevate everything. <laughs> he had to elevate everything. His name was Max Headroom. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's a joke for everyone over 40. But um, uh, it's, uh, but yeah, it was, it was at an obnoxious level of, of clearance where it's like, you know, something like a tattoo, we, we kind of generally think is, is an obvious one, you know, like that's sure. a well-established one we know to, to deal with. But I've also d- dealt with like over the years since the hangover, different productions or let's say different studios or networks have different ideas of what's acceptable. So I have dealt with production lawyers that have gone crazy over this stuff. And let's say on the same production for the same network, another season you deal with someone else and they're like, meh. Yeah. <laughs> it is really, yeah. I mean, you get a feel for how it's going to go in the first couple of weeks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, do I need to bother you with this? Probably not. So, okay, great. Moving on. I think the technicality is you have to change it 20%. That That's, you know, that's okay. So this is where it's gotten difficult. And it's kind of speaking to what you just said, Hillary. It depends on a show. Mm-hmm. Now you have to ask each time because you can't assume what was right on the last thing is mm-hmm. going to be applicable Absolutely. to this thing. Right. So, for example, artwork, when, when I got into the art department 2006, back then it was the standard rule that you can alter something 20% and it's acceptable. Mm. That went away at some point. Because again, it's more legal protection, more stuff like sure. that. And so, but it's, it's kind of like how we have to clear use of a lot of items. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we're told if it's in its practical use, you don't need to seek clearance. But if it's the clearance Nazi from Disney Plus, <laughs> then you have to clear everything and anything. So 
Uh, the example I'll use is if an actor is brushing their teeth and they have a bottle of uh, or tube of Crest and they are doing nothing but simply brushing their teeth, you should not need to seek clearance because it's in its practical use, it's what it is. If someone was being murdered with a tube of Crest, would, now you need- called rest. <laughs> <laughs> that that is when okay i understand now we need to seek clearance and of course crest would be like no <laughs> you can't murder someone yes. with our product and that's why suddenly you would see i would watch a movie that somebody killed somebody with a tube of toothpaste though i mean i there was a movie where a uh it was supposed to be back in the 80s with satanic panic and uh, a child uh, like a, a, a 11 year old is murdered in a scene they're holding a box. It was scripted that they're holding a box of Lucky Charms and a shotgun blast uh, where you could see the pellets in the cereal box. And uh, my boss was like, why don't you reach out to General Mills? And I was like, how about I pretend <laughs> to reach out to General Mills and I go ahead and tell you the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. How about you make that photo call? Right. Yeah. I already Can know how it's going to go. Kill a child with your lucky charms. I'm going to go find Gross. a better use of my next hour. Um, <laughs> but what's happening now is, and going back to this whole practical use example, is where the paranoia is coming in is if the overall material of the project as a whole is maybe maybe it's dark, maybe it's uh, maybe it's a horror movie or it's sinister or some other kind of thing, then that's their concern is that even though this practical use in this scene is fine, the overall theme in mm -hmm. that movie is maybe something that they don't want their product in. Or at sure. least that's what the legal paranoia is. Like the last thing I just did reshoots on, because that's all I'm doing right now, post-strike. Yeah. Um, you know, the rule of thumb was if it's offensive or if it's trademarked, everything else is, was fair game. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's, I, I, they've been saying for a number of years, the adage has been, uh, it's become an accountant's world. Uh, but I would go a step further and say, it's become a lawyer's and accountant's world in our industry. And sure. maybe mm. that's why we don't have as much fun as we used to. We just yeah. don't. Uh, lawyers. Or is it just because we're getting older? <laughs> well, <laughs> and I we mean, see it all. Six of one, half a dozen of the right. other. Uh, little but, column A, little column B, you know? But I mean, <laughs> it, it used to be fun. It used to be fun. There's definitely, um, uh, we were a little premonition, um, you know, like <laughs> mm -hmm. that I, I didn't even know it existed, but uh, post Katrina Shreveport on premonition, several crew members made a little side short film and the actors got in on it and they're playing with like RC cars, like a, a, instead of like having an actual car chase, they're using RC cars as a oh car God, chase. Oh my God, that's funny. But like Sandra Bullock's in it, like they're having fun. You can tell everyone's having fun. And I was like, oh, I miss those days. I know. Because now it's like, uh, as we talk about lawyers. But uh, it seems like there's way more, way more, like way more producers all over the place oh, as well. So many Chris's, in the kitchen. I think, I think that was Chris's foundation statement that he made in the first episode. I can't, or maybe it was off mic. I can't remember. But basically, he said, if nothing else, what he wants to learn on this podcast journey is what does a producer do exactly? That would be nice. Yeah, we should have <laughs> a producer come on and be a, like, what do you do? It's a broad, broad, broad. yeah, show to show. And then, then you get into all that like a posturing of like, it's an executive, but this, this is a co-executive slightly below the executive, sure. but they're above the one that just has the producer and no other special title. And that person's above the associate producer. 
Um, yeah, and so and so was uh, this director's assistant on one movie, and now they're an executive producer. Oh, Talk yeah. about not coming in on the ground floor, right? right. Yeah, well, hey, it happens all. That's where it happens. Time. Yeah. Listen to yeah. this. So we have all the a very time. unique, and I did not mean to talk over. No, you're sorry, not. Before I lost this little thought bubble, we have a very <laughs> unique perspective in where we are as a film industry, just like the early '80s babies have on the world, because we were the first to grow up analog, but yeah. still the first with internet. Now here we are. Um, in our industry and we know what it was like before streaming and here we are with streaming and the invent of let's put out as much content as possible for the least amount of money mm-hmm. yeah. and um, the quality, the working hours, yep. the everything. Well, um, and the, the I would say the creativity in general has gone down when you look at film in general because everything started switching to TV. Sure. Well, I think this all ha- started happening before COVID, but COVID really oh, yes. like yes. destroyed yes. any kind of artistic. But it's also anything, gotten it seems it's also gotten down to um, for anybody who doesn't know, my husband works in a completely different department and um, smart. <laughs> I mean, I wish one of us had a real job. Um, but um, and I'm sorry to cut you off real quick, but that is a very good point talking about relationships in the film industry. <laughs> if you are going to marry someone else in the film industry, it's probably wise to pick someone in a department very far away from you. Yes. yes. And we couldn't True. be Yeah, y'all apart. could not be further apart. <laughs> um, but, you know, he worked on a, he rigged a film um, post-COVID in the last few years. And this new brand of producer that aren't trying to do things on a dime. They're trying to do things on a penny. And it's like, um, you know, really sacrificing safety, Um, which we have all worked very hard to maintain. Um, Because we're looking out for ourselves. We're looking out for each other. Yeah, the whole Sarah Jones thing, KBK. The whole thing. I mean, it it, it lasted for, yeah. But that just like breezed over in a weird way. Like... Oh, we have a part two coming. Uh, okay, because right. now, now the new charges are out. I know, right? I was about to say it's in the news yeah. again. Oh, I did not realize. Uh, uh, they just came out two days ago. Okay. Um, involuntary manslaughter is the new charge. Mm. But, you know, that, and we'll get into it when we do that episode. But it is fascinating from a film vantage point because we have our own world of safety measures. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not that one was violated, as we already stated, but it's that multiple were right. violated. Absolutely. And, um, Joe's not here, so I can speak a little bit for you about it. But um, uh, the first AD is who made the plea deal. And, you know, if you listen to a lot of true crime, they always say, you know, the first to talk gets the deal kind of thing. And this is a similar situation where that man's culpability or his dirty hands in, in it are kind of washed because he made the plea deal. So that sort of forces the prosecutor to go after Baldwin because who else are they going to go after at that point? Which sucks because I've heard a I mean, you know, I we, mean, live, it's, it's a we live horrible in a village. Yeah. We work in a village. Um, it takes a village. I, I <laughs> haven't heard a lot of good things. No. Um, and I don't mean to, I'm not going to gossip, but. When, when we, going back to, to your point, Heather Ray, about coming out of COVID, that is one of the things that we were saying with Rust is that it's, it's a situation that might not have happened at all if, uh, the industry wasn't so stretched thin at the time mm-hmm. because the first group to suffer with an industry labor shortage of talented labor is going to be in the low budget world. Mm-hmm. Because if you're kind of on that cusp, maybe you keyed, uh, 
you know, a few shows in a, in a $5 million capacity or whatever, but because of demand, now you're getting opportunities for say this $20 million movie mm. over here. Well, of course you're going to take that. It's the better rates, better deals and, you know, and all that. So that bottom low budget world is who's going to suffer. And that's why you end up with say an armor who wasn't an armor, how you get an entire camera department to walk the day before the tragedy happens and you get a whole other calamity of stuff. And it's, it's unfortunate, but at that point, and again, I know prosecution is going to have a different opinion, but at that point, at least for me, the producers start having culpability because at the end of the day, you're still in charge of who you hire and you hired someone who had no business handling something like weapons. Right. And, and, and and we again stated it before I, I, my heart also goes out to her at the same time because I, 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 on the one hand, I say she shouldn't have been hired, but on the other hand, uh, I'm like, I mean, she got raked over the coals, but she also didn't know any better because she was so bad at her job. So I'm like, I'm kind of torn on on just her as the from a novice level, from um, uh, ignorance level, from these things she just didn't know, and so I, that's why I go back to the producers. That yeah, because she they should are have they are culpable, right? She should have yeah. never been there. Exactly, absolutely, she should have never been there. But I feel like that happens across the board in most of our departments to some degree or another. Some departments are bigger and they're able to use let's say new people more wisely and like okay you're gonna go over there and you're gonna fold sweat mops in my department like we need somebody to do that you know we have the budget for it right now so you're gonna go do that but for instance like sweat oh oh sorry it took me a minute (laughs) those little napkins that we have to fold in perfect little squares that we have to mop sweat in uh with especially in louisiana because everybody sweats bullets I i thought actors don't sweat is that just for background? Oh, no, that's my job. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they don't sweat because we are good at what we do. Uh, Unless we are told they need to sweat. Yes. Can you put sweat on them? Yes. None of it's real sweat. If they're sweaty, it's fake. Mm-hmm. Oh, They're uh, supposed to look like that. Uh, um, uh, has anyone, uh, I know it's a stereotype, but has anyone yelled spritz at you? Oh, of course. Um, Absolutely. In a very condescending way. That's that's always my stereotype. Uh, of I know, I've never actually seen an actor do it in a condescending way, but like the stereotype in my head is like, Spritz! Yes. Uh, and then this poor makeup person running over. They don't over. mean to. Yeah. They're like into what they're doing. I try not to take it personally. Um, but back to like the, I hate to bring it back there, but you know, people not knowing what they're doing. Oh, yeah. And that is... Well, I think after COVID, there was such a boom that they just were just bodies, bodies, bodies. It happens people, everywhere. Like people who want to get into know. the industry. Atlanta. Atla- uh, yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I went to Atlanta in 2017. I was there for a year working and I was appalled. Yeah. And it's n- no offense to the Atlanta film community because I did meet some wonderful people in that group. But I also wonderful. saw more inexperience and incompetence mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a volume I had never witnessed before. And because they were doing these huge yes. Marvel productions, they thought they knew their shit. Yes. Well, that's the and, problem. You get you people know, who like, think they know what they're doing. Right. And, you know, people have been doing this for a long time. I'm like, I could tell you didn't come into the ground floor and I could see that from a mile away. But the question is, when it comes to departments that deal with guns or deal with the things that matter and like... Do you really want those kind of, do you want an experience dealing with that stuff? Or for instance, you know, for some reason, everybody uses the grip department as like an entryway into the film industry. Like, oh, well, you, know, you, you want to you get on, you're either a PA or they send you to the grip department. 
Do you want a guy who's never put together a piece of Ikea furniture hanging chain motors above your head <laughs> because there's nobody else left and because he thinks this is his in? The answer is no. Yeah. Everyone knows you got to start off making sure there's no boogers in a coffee. <laughs> that is how you start. That is the ground. Well, floor. you know, and you know, when we had Natalie on you're at one point, we we were ta- she was saying the one piece of advice that she was like, "Come in humble." It's like, yeah, come in humble, come in yep. humble, stay humble, stay humble, like and like absorb all the knowledge that is all around you. Be a sponge. Yeah, be a sponge. To, a sponge. to that point, which is wonderful advice, um, and and this is uh, kind of an open question to everyone. This is something that happened in Atlanta. Uh, I needed to. Uh, I needed to find another prop assistant and the well was dry because why else would I be there? Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm trying to find somebody and eventually I get told, oh, you, you would love this girl. She's great. Um, she's finishing up this show over here. You should grab her before she goes to something else. And I had already learned uh, the term Georgia jumper uh, because mm. apparently crew yeah. had gotten a habit of leaving projects early to jump to the next project, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is just I've a general message. Well. Don't do that. It's not... Not cool, guys. Uh, hopefully that's kind of subsided. But um, this person, when I reached out to them, they sounded very pleasant. Everything was good at first. And then when it came time to interview her, she called me instead of showing up. And she said, you know, I was thinking, I don't really do a lot of TV anymore. I mostly do movies. And uh, what would really be great is if I could maybe uh, get an assistant prop master title. And also if I could maybe get a little bit above scale. And I'm like, I am the assistant prop master. Am I like interviewing my replacement? Like, what do you think you're, what are you talking about? You don't, you don't do that. Wild. You didn't show up to the interview and instead you called and start making them like, what planet are you on? Mm-hmm. So I was just, I mean, I was, it blew my mind. I, yeah. I never had fathomed that someone could do something like that. And, and let me just say the resume was not that impressive. I mean, certainly to be making those kind of demands. Mm-hmm. And so can I take a guess of who? No, no, no. Oh. Three to five years worth of experience. That is correct. That is 100% I, correct. There is a three to five year bubble. <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. You're, you're right. I've never thought about this. There is, you're, right. you're absolutely and right. listen, when I say this the on- the teen, teen, teenage years. Where you it is. There is a three to five year bubble where you think you got this shit. And listen, I went through it too. So I like, mm-hmm. I, I get it. Oh yeah, for sure. You're like, oh, I know what I'm doing. And then there's some like, there's going to be, trust me, there's going to be, I don't have to- hand that piece of humble pie because there's going to be somebody bigger, better and cooler than me that is going to come in and hand you the biggest piece of humble pie in your face. And you'll be like, Oh shit, guess I don't know. How to know. <laughs> Three, go, five years. It'll go well with the egg on my Or face. they'll just become a producer. <laughs> <laughs> and that is what a producer is. But yeah, uh, it was just, it was, it was very unprofessional. I'm, I'm sure it was innocent on her part, you know, and, and also at that time, the Atlanta film community had feasted no famine, uh, mm-hmm. which is something that we say in our world, feast, uh, feast and famine. And uh, for example, COVID, famine, strike situation of 2023, famine. Bobby Jindal. Uh, Bobby Jindal mm-hmm. here in Louisiana, um, who ironically also got the film program off the ground. Ugh. Little known fact about Bobby J, pre-evangelical Bobby J. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think that humble pie you're talking about is certainly when the famine hits and the famine will hit. That's just a question of when and how long. 
You're like, oh uh, shit, I should have hoarded my money. happening for yeah. the last year. <laughs> yeah, no. As we all see our retirements dwindling, not increasing. What retirement? Yeah, yeah exactly. Retirement. We're going to yeah. retire. Um, our parents are the last ones who would ever retire. But circling this back around to makeup and you, Amy. Um, <laughs> We've been all around. We have been all around. We tend to do that sometimes. <laughs> um, so two things that we haven't talked about before we get out of here. One is, because uh, I didn't get to talk about it with Natalie, and we're just completely shifting gears. But uh, I like the fine line of facial hair is actually <laughs> makeup, not hair. Yes. Um, uh, can you sort of maybe in, in, in sort of a summary kind of explain why that's makeup, not hair? Because the hair on your head is styled by the hair department. Anything literally um, sideburns on down. Um, is my department. And I mean facial hair because it's on your face and that is my department, but body hair also my department. Oh, and, I, and also some gross. the answer is yes, yeah. yes, oh. yes. I, I've had to deal with it all. I, I, all of it. I'll keep them, I'll keep them nameless because uh, it's their place to talk. But I, I have, <laughs> uh, I know another makeup artist that has had to oil up uh, muscle men kind of mm -hmm, stuff. Same. And, you know, they were hairy and so they were just like, yep. every day, I just got to get my hands in there and grease them up. And we're yeah. like, mm. I think the last time I had to do that was when. Um, that is when you earn oh your pay. <laughs> I was like seven months pregnant. So like I was just starting to look like the front of a ship and like WWE came in town. And we had to do like a, um, I went and assisted on a photo shoot. And like just made my giant pregnant belly, like oiling up like tree trunk legs. I'm like, well, this is this is new. Yeah. Uh, this is gonna go in the memory bank. Um, <laughs> since you bring up WWE, uh, I don't know if we've ever said on this uh, before, but collectively, typically, those are the nicest people. They are They're the wrestlers. They are. I mean, the, I the oiling is gross and all that, but. I mean as far as like it's one way to make a living, yeah, a persona. I've very done worse nice for people. less. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, hands down. Mm. And 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 Heather A, this is a whole costume conversation. Uh, we'll have off mic, but there's someone who is no longer in the industry who was a wonderful costumer, but their breaking point was an actress had taken medication that had laxative, and oh. she had messed her draws. And this happens more often than you would when we were talking about background in one yeah. of the other episodes. Yeah, that uh, yeah, this happens more often than, than you anybody even wants to think about. Yes. I didn't know how many people poop their pants on the regular it until is. I yeah. got Wild. into the film industry. Yeah. 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 I, BMX tracks abound. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I just pulled my 80s card out. Um, oh, it is for anyone thing. that's rad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, lots of skid marks. Um, uh, and, and you're right. I did not know that either. And it was costume person that we'll talk about off mic that was the one who alerted me to the... Is this a recent one? No. No, because I have is, a recent one who I could, off mic, I can tell this you This is about like 2008-ish <laughs> maybe, 2007-ish. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, it... it I think if, if you do know who this is, I think part of what sucks is these things when they are horrible and, and, and they unfortunately happen from time to time, it's always like the sweetest, nicest person that has to deal with it. It's not like 
an asshole that you have no problem with dealing with. No, you're kind of an annoying person and you can go over there and clean those. Like, it's never that. It's always the like, I am so sorry. Like, you should not have to. <laughs> I'm going to come at this from a different angle. What does it say? I don't think it says a whole lot about human beings. And I think it says a whole lot about the work ethic or expectation in our industry that you feel like you can't walk away. That's yeah. Or that's you can't say, say that you need to. There's a huge, like, and that is a big part. It's always been a thing for me. Like I can't fathom why somebody can feel that they shouldn't be able to go to the bathroom. Happens all the time. Yeah. yeah. And then so, it yeah. happens. Oh, uh, <laughs> and then it happens. And, and then someone happens. has to deal with it. So one way or the other. Yeah. I will. I don't care if we're in the middle of a scene. We're going to have to do it again. I'm sorry. If I got to go to the bathroom that gotta bad, go, man. I have to do it again. And the yeah. Pimo's a uh, half a mile away and we're in the middle of the woods. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the thing. Um, love the nature uh, outdoor experience. Mm -hmm. uh, we were talking about. Who our, here has not pooped in the woods? Yeah. Of, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Desperation. Um, I see no hands. Shamelessly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, shamelessly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, in fact, yelling. waving to the rest of the crew well, while I, you do it. I was about to say. <laughs> see just your eyes. Over the <laughs> Fair warning. Don't come over here. Mm -hmm. You know, like that kind of thing. Anyway. Um, I have lost so many assistants over the years. Like, <laughs> just, just not not to shitting in the woods. I was, I was, um, <laughs> but context, uh, context. context. Fine. I, it just that's what it makes me think of. I mean, like, are we talking like spinal people, tap drummers lost, no. or <laughs> <laughs> when people, or let's just say makeup artists? When you think like celebrity makeup artists, oh, I do makeup, I do makeup for the movies. It sounds so goddamn glamorous. And I have lost more assistants who have had to stand in the rain or the wet or walked a mile to the bathroom or whatnot, and just not come back. Oh wow! They're like, oh wow! And that that was in the early years. I'm, I I don't really do I that would anymore, say but. like I I always find it adorable. But when I see uh, if when we're out in shitty conditions and uh, when hair and makeup arrives, and maybe y'all got like the galoshes on or like the big rain boots or whatever, but they're still dressed nicer than the average crew person. Oh, yeah. So what's funny is that like you know from from boot down it's like mud and gross and everything but then from like knee up it's still like a very pleasant looking person that you know still gave a shit when they got out of bed that morning and uh most of the crew it doesn't even no try. it does like, not care oh i'm gonna be in the swamp yeah, yeah. until it's yeah. 110 degrees outside and, and then I you're mean, melting yeah. you know we've met i <laughs> yeah, yeah. but <laughs> anyway winding us down here on this fun journey this is what for everyone listening, this is what I was talking about with hair and makeup. I can talk to hair and makeup for hours. You never know what you're going to get. You, you don't, but it's always good. It's always good, even if there's no tea spilling. So before we get out of here, we uh, like to ask everyone any advice you'd like to uh, impart. It can be good advice, bad advice. Um, we like to joke and say we have a soapbox uh, you can stand on if you'd like. And uh, it's kind of just your moment to uh, impart wisdom or anything you'd like to. And yeah, what you got? <laughs> <laughs> I love putting people on the spot. You know, I've actually told this to a few people that I was mentoring back in the day. And it always comes back around as the most helpful thing I've ever said. And which is interesting because I've, I've said a lot of things. I didn't think this was it. But the more I think about it, it is. When you come into this industry, I think it it, it can be very overwhelming. And especially with a makeup department because there's a lot of moving pieces. And what I usually tell people is learn how to read a call sheet. 
And that sounds very simple. It's what time you have to be there and where you have to be. But it's more than that. If you actually sit down and look at a call sheet, it tells you your entire day. Not only does it tell you your entire day, it tells you how to pack. It tells you what to anticipate. It shows you all the things that you can anticipate. So it takes a day that looks like a question mark with 100 people in it, let's say background, and it turns it into something. A plan. Yeah, a plan. And I think not enough people coming in understand that or are taught. Chris and Joe are going to be very mad they weren't here for this because this is this is AD talk we're getting into. Yeah, um, no, that's real. I I was lucky enough to have a designer in my early days sit me down and teach me how to read a call sheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. It, Do it, you know how to read a call sheet? And uh, you know, and you know, talk about not saying not faking it until you make it say no in fact i do not please teach me you know like it's it tells you everything about your day Mm -hmm. um and for somebody who used to have terrible anxiety about this i had awful anxiety when i started in this business it takes it takes something overwhelming and breaks it down for you just does. I mean, there's still going to be tons so of things silly. that happen on the fly that sure. could never be anticipated and some things that can Absolutely. or should have been anticipated and been on the call sheet. But like, at least then you can be like, yeah, that wasn't on the call sheet. Mm-hmm. And no, that in fact, it was not on the call sheet. No, we, we, we like to we like to shout out to James Rock on occasion. Um, he's a uh, uh, a giant amongst men. He's a king. Um, he's just oh, such a wonderful person. But uh his call sheets are not only do they have, I, cause I've referenced it before, but they have the most Easter eggs and he has fun with call <laughs> sheets. And that's again, the little things that can make your day. Sure. But he also has just the best, most consistently accurate call sheets. And that's just something now that he does first work a lot more, it's, it's kind of a bummer because he's so good and he deserves everything that, that comes to him, but you kind of want him in that second AD role because it's like, you're so good. Mm-hmm. But uh, shout out to James Rock because of all of his talents, uh, that's one of the ones I think that the crew in general appreciates is because he, he just does such good call sheets. And just his personality and he's, and a his, he's such a great guy. You just want to hang out with him. He's like the opposite of a DP. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so A good call sheet goes a long way. I think people yeah. like... It's such a standard in our business. You get them in your emails. What time do I have to be to work? Where do I have to go? People just overlook it. Yeah. People forget about how important that can be to your mm-hmm. day. No, I, I think that's wonderful advice. And and even like what Heather Ray added on, I think is true too. It's like, don't be afraid to ask those questions when you're getting started. Like, you know, I think people are in the habit of pretending too much when they know 100 especially in that uh three to five year bubble as you call right. it and you screw yourself and you screw everybody else you do. no point be a sponge yeah, yeah be a sponge ask questions oh i mean uh, here here's my quick example that i got so lucky on but it scared the shit out of me uh i worked with a canadian prop master twice but the first time i worked with him i didn't know our, our standard bins in in our industry like they have a ton of names we talked mm-hmm. about them before he called them nesters and I had never heard that term. And it was my first day and the assistant prop master said, can you run to the trailer and grab a baby nester? And I said, on it. And I walk away and then I go, as I'm heading towards the trailer, I'm it's like, a baby nester. it's a baby nester. Oh, I just fucked myself. And then like, I'm going around, I'm looking like what could be a baby nester. And then I see a miniature sized bin and I'm like, 
it has to be right. And I'm taking it and, you know, all the fear and anxiety is welling up and I get back to him and I go, here you go. And he goes, cool. Thanks. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> Fucking God. Jesus Christ. Don't ever do that again. Jed. That was so dumb. Dude. I think we've all been there. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. 100%. Yeah. And, and, and the reason I bring up that example is because there would have been no problem whatsoever if he had said grab a baby nester and i said sure uh can you help me with what a baby nester is and then he would have been like a small gray bin i've been like on it you know that would not have been a problem Mm -hmm. but it's that jumping to (laughs) and if it would have been a problem fuck that guy yeah no you know what i mean i'll say his name brad elliott he's he's also a wonderful person um yeah brad quick shout out to him uh of all of his talents and skills and accolades uh he was the prop master of team america and i love him for that (laughs) but anyway um again going off rails amy i want to thank you for coming in and before we get out justin or heather anything to add on anything i missed no i just would like to give always give a shout out to hair and makeup because we work so closely together and we help each other out and you know y'all not being on walkie i'm usually the one being hey we're doing this i appreciate that so much i usually find my closest uh, costume person like what the fuck is going on yeah yeah. very important camaraderie people like to not tell very important that's a good because we we kind of touched on this but i don't know if it was actually on air or off with natalie (laughs) i was saying like there are times where it's just like Hey, I gotta sew this. Take your time with that. Blah blah blah. Oh, hundred percent. Like, oh, you know, line those lips. Are like, you good? <laughs> yes. Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, all right. Here we go. All right, now I take back the whole Chris and Joe thing. Maybe it's good they're not here. Eighties <laughs> <laughs> don't need to hear that stuff uh, about they how we're, know. we're milking things. To they know. Absolutely know. If they're worth their shit, they know. Uh, they, they exactly. Know. Yeah. Uh, I tease. But thank you, Amy, so much for coming in. And uh, we have to see soon. We actually, uh, uh, we might do it a little down the road, but I kind of want like a a hair, makeup, costume, prop, round table kind of thing where we're just all talking about. Oh my God, that that would be so much fun. Because it's, that's, that's our collective world is Mm -hmm. making the actor look good. We are last looks. We are last looks. (laughs) We are last looks. Um, Do you ever find find yourself doing that to other people? Like, like not at work? I am you mean perpetually tucking yeah. in <laughs> strangers tags um, bat of the like constantly. I pick things off of people's faces. I pick things off their clothes and I'm like I'm sorry, Oh yeah, clothes and like and yeah, tags or like little I'm, I'm not even things. costumes and I'm like and I'm somebody's just like I'm sorry, things. occupational hazard. I mean this entire recording I've been accessorizing y'all and putting <laughs> things in your hands. I'm surprised you haven't said anything. Um, anyway, uh, Where's my gun. Oh, you're not an armorer. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I'm not an armor. I only play one on TV. Um, <laughs> Amy, thank you so much. And I uh, hope to see you on set soon. <laughs> so Same, soon. man. That's Same. The, that's, the, that's the theme of today. That's the theme. Yes, please. <laughs> Cheers to that, friend. On set very soon. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. Thank no you. problem. All right. want to thank Amy again. That was fantastic. Makeup. I mean, I... I, I Again, it's like here, I can ask a million questions and just it's forever entertaining. Uh, we didn't even really get into like the some tricks of the trade, like, you know, some some makeup secrets, makeup tips. Uh, Justin and I are always trying to give each other makeovers and we need advice because we're not good at it right now, but we are going to get better. Um, so practice. <laughs> practice, keep practicing. Practice makes perfect. <laughs> so what can we say here that's, uh, I mean, obviously we want, to thank Amy and and uh, we want more makeup talk down the line, hopefully. But what can we say as far as closing? I didn't know that 
the trailer was that much of a sanctuary. I mean, I, I could have assumed, but I've, I've never had to go into you, hair, makeup, or... Well, I mean, I've actually, I've gone into costumes, go. yeah. for sure, to wire people up. Costumes but, can be a little like that, but not near the right, way that yeah. hair and makeup is. I mean, generally, costumes is a pretty friendly place. Well, I also you know, think you'll that... You'll have a sofa. I mean, come on. Yeah, usually, <laughs> we do. Um, unusable, usually, but whatever. <laughs> right, there's always stuff there's on it. There's always stuff on it. <laughs> you can't sit on it, but yeah, there it is there. But I think that, you know, it's the first thing in the morning that people, like, go to, that people are still waking up. People are in a very vulnerable state because their eyes are closed. And I mean, talking about the actors here and like they're, you know, so I think that that's part of the reason why it is a sanctuary. Oh, my good? God, that the door just opened, but nobody came in. I, do you think that could be Zoe? Zoe, if you can hear us, can you do the call to action and close us out? Oh, yeah. One, two, better not suit. We want to hear from you, the audience. Do you have a behind the scenes story? Maybe you work in the industry or maybe you had a run in with production. You know, you live in New Orleans, New York, whatever, and some PA stopped you on the way to work and it was annoying. We want to hear about it. We want to hear about all of it. We love all the stories. Write us and maybe we'll read it on the show. Or maybe you just want to tell us that you love us or you really hate us and you want to fact check us because we're wrong about a lot of things. You control us, whatever you want to do. You might even want to guess where Joe or Chris are on any given day of the week. Uh, you can do that by emailing us at filmfolklorepodcast at gmail.com. It's filmfolklorepodcast at gmail.com. We do indeed want to hear from you. You can also find us on the social media. Instagram is Film Folklore Podcast. Facebook group is Film Folklore. Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at The Film Folk. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. We really want to hear from you. It's very important to us. Again, we work in the entertainment business, so we need a lot of validation. We're very pathetic, sad people, and we just, we really want to be reviewed. We want to know your honest opinion, and it means a lot to us, because you guys mean a lot to us. And for any of you that really like us and have some change burning holes in your pockets and, you know, just any money at all, like a credit card, we set up a donation with PayPal and Patreon. Links are in the show notes of this episode and our website. Money helps us do more fun things and we want to entertain you. Money helps you do more fun things, which helps us do more fun things, which is also helping you have fun. And it would be really nice. And we love you. Thank you. Caca. <laughs> oh no, that's not it. Um, but thanks everybody for joining us today, and uh, I guess that's a wrap. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Where's everybody going? <laughs>